And so we want to take some time to uh, express our pride as a church family. And, and, and let me tell you, church, we, you know, make sure, we, man, we should be more proud of our young people than anybody. Because there are young people. Because they're a part of our family. They're a part of our church. And, and so we want to take a few moments, and, and we want to do just that. We have a, a, a good handful of young people, and, and uh, not all of them could be here with us today, but uh, many of them are that we want to recognize and celebrate. So church, would you do that with me this morning? Can we, uh, can we celebrate, can we honor and congratulate our, uh, our graduates? And we're going to do just that. I'm going to call them up, and we're gonna, uh, I'm going to talk with them. We're going to pray for them. Um, and, and so we're going to do that. So the first graduate that I want to introduce to you is Zoe uh, Brinkenhoff. Come on out. Zoe, give her a big round of applause. Good job, Zoe. After her is Nikki Bonneau. Come on down, Nikki. Give her a big round of applause. <laughs> Abigail or Abby Fletcher, come on down, Abby. Zachary Park. Joshua Runyon. Still can't follow instructions. <laughs> and Anna Stevens, come on down, Anna. <laughs> Praise God. Well, listen, guys, come on out, spread out. We're looking at you. You face the audience. I know it's awkward, but. There's many more awkward moments to come in your life, so don't hide from it. Um, I, I want to take a moment, and I want to talk to you graduates and to our church family. Now, as I said, there's others that couldn't be here. I want to uh, uh, recognize um, uh, uh, Riley Garcia and, um, and, and, and any others that we may have missed. My deepest apologies. Um, um, but we want to grad, uh, congratulate all of you for your incredible accomplishment. And, and we don't want to make light of it. Uh, it. It truly is a great accomplishment, not just because you graduated high school, although I must admit I'm quite proud of some of you. Didn't think that was ever going to happen. <laughs> but more than just graduating school, it's kind of a graduation of life. You pass the test, sort of. <laughs> 
You pass this test, but it's not the last one that you'll face. And we, what, what, what I want to do today, what I want to encourage you with is twofold. One, let's celebrate the accomplishment. Let's take the victory lap. It's important that we do that. Too often, we don't take time to recognize, hey, I made it. I, I accomplished something, and, and we should do that. So, so take some time and, and, and celebrate. Uh, recognize the fact that you did do something great, but, but the other side of it is also to commission you into the next step. Yes, take the victory lap, but don't get too comfortable there because there's much more to come. When I was thinking about all of you guys, uh, this passage of Scripture came to mind, and the, the reason for that is because I know that for many of you, you have strived to uh, be an example in this Scripture, to live this Scripture in your life up to this point. It says this in 1 Timothy 4.12. It says, Let no one despise you for your youth. But set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And I want to congratulate you, not just for graduating high school, but for living this passage of Scripture. For letting no one look down on you because of your age. For not accepting the fact that I'm too young or I'm too inexperienced to do anything. But instead, despite my age, I know God's got a call on my life, and I'm going to pursue it. And I appreciate and I recognize the fact that you guys have strived to do that, not to just pursue God, but to be an example in the way in which you have pursued him. But I also want to share this scripture with you because I know that you've been striving for that, and I want to encourage you to continue to strive for that. I'm not sharing this scripture with you because you did it, now you can forget it. No, I want to encourage you with this scripture because you've been doing it, now do it more. <laughs> Keep doing it. Because here's the reality, although now you're adults, most people aren't going to see you that way. In fact, in the eyes of most people, you're still just a kid. Even though you've got the hat and the gown, most people will still see that young face and think, well, they don't know anything. But I want to encourage you, don't let anyone despise you because of your youth. They're just jealous. <laughs> but, yeah, let's be honest. You are a little inexperienced. But that's okay. God still calls you in your inexperience, get this, to be an example, to show the rest of us how it should be done. And that includes all of us old folks, not just those who would come after you, but those who've gone before you as well. God is calling you in your faith, in your purity, in your speech, in your conduct, in your love to be the example to the body of Christ. And so we celebrate you today because we're looking to you. We're looking to you to set the pace for the people of God, to show us how it should be done because we know we haven't got it all figured out yet. You know you haven't got it all figured out yet, but praise God, God's given you a special call and a special anointing in your youth, in your, with your energy 
to do where we've often failed. And so, young people, I thank you. We congratulate you, and we commission you to go forth and be our example. Amen? Amen. Parents, what I would like to do at this time, if you uh, have a graduate on stage, if you would come and stand with them, uh, we want to take some time and pray for them. So uh, if you have a parent or a guardian or, or somebody who uh, has agreed to, uh, to pray with you and stand with you at this time, come on up. All right, try not to cry. Who got luggage for their graduation gift? <laughs> Church, would you do this? Would you stretch your hands towards these young people and let's, let's bless them and, and pray over them together today? Dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you in the name of Jesus. And Father, we come before you and we are so blessed by the young people that we have in our congregation, in our community. Lord, we want to thank you right now for each and every single one of them because we recognize that they are truly a blessing, God. And Lord, we ask today, God, that you would help us not to look down on them because of their age, but Lord, to look to them to be the example for us, Father. And we thank you, God, that that is the call and the commission that you've placed on each and every single one of them. And so, Father, we uh, come around them and we celebrate. We, we uh, thank you, God, for their accomplishment. And now, God, we send them forth to continue to walk as the men and women of God that you're calling them to be. We thank you for this reality, God, that you knew them before you formed them in their mother's womb. And at that point, Lord, you set them apart for your purpose and your glory, God. And we recognize that in each and every single one. And Lord, as we look at them, we see nothing but potential. And God, we uh, expect nothing but great things, not because they are perfect, but because they serve a perfect God. And so we pray, Holy Spirit of God, infuse them with your power today. That your fresh anointing would run over them from the top of their heads down to the bottom of their feet. And wherever they would go, it would be holy ground because of our holy God that they serve. And we ask, God, that we, our pride would continue to be, uh, uh, God, uh, uh, welled up in us as we watch them uh, walk in the call of God in their life. As we watch them continue to step out to be an example in their speech, to be an example, God, to us and to the world in their conduct and the, and the way they live their life, to be a, an example in the love, God, that they show, God, to be an example in their faith in you and in their purity. And we thank you for that today, Lord. God, we uh, ask for your blessing upon them. God, that whatever their call that you've placed on their life, wherever their dreams may lead them, God, that you would be with them. God, that you would protect them because we know this, God, that the enemy hates them. God, that the devil wants to destroy them, to confuse them, to drag them down. And we know, God, that the world is a, a brutal place. But we pray, God, that no matter what, that you would walk with them. 
That you would dispatch warring angels, Father, to watch over them and to protect them. And God, that the things that, uh, God, that they gleaned from the body of believers would continue to carry with them and grow in their hearts and their minds. God, that no matter what, God, that the word of God would not be returned void. We thank you for that, Lord. We thank you for it. We thank you for every individual with us and those who couldn't be with us as well. And we bless you for them. In the precious holy name of Jesus, we pray. Amen? Amen. Come on, give them a shout of praise. Congratulations, guys. We are so incredibly proud of each and every single one of you. You did it, and we're proud of you for that. But... uh, There's much more to come, all right? So we look forward to that. Listen, uh, we have a gift for each and every single one of you. Lauren will pass those out as you guys go ahead and and make your way back to your seats. Uh, But again, we love you all so very much. We're proud of you. And church, make sure you let them know that you're proud of them when you see them walking around, you see them after church. In fact, uh, afterwards, we'll we'll have some cake and so uh, just to celebrate. And so it'll be right out front. Make sure you hang out and you grab some cake and you give one of these big, these graduates a big hug and kiss, all right? All right, well, let's not go that far. happy for all of them. So happy moms and dads. Sometimes it feels like their accomplishment is ours. I didn't think about the whole luggage idea. I think he's got a birthday coming up though. I, uh, I'm going to jump right into this. I want you to open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. You know, last week I, I shared with you, you know, I, I don't Going through the, this, and I, again, I, I, don't, I, I will not apologize for going through the scriptures painstakingly slow. I think there's a depth of God's word that we just sometimes don't venture to go into, and we need to look at that. And even as slow as I may be going through this, I am not getting to the, I, obviously this is not an exhaustive study. There's so much more that God wants to share and say. So no, I am not touching on everything, but I am going to go deep into some things. And I don't have the ch- privilege of being able to choose what those things are. All right, last week was a difficult subject for a lot of people. I, um, I don't know how many people aren't here today because they were here last week. There's, uh, you know what, there's going to be some more of those things coming up as we begin to look at some of the things that God's Word has to say. But you, you have to decide this. Do you, are you coming here because you want to hear something that goes along with your mixed up feelings? Or do you want to hear the truth? Because only the Word of God can be the truth for you. And even though it may not agree, listen, if you're not going somewhere that's challenging your worldly thoughts, then you're in the wrong place. So again, what you do with what we talk about is up to you. We talked about abortion last week. 
And we talked about theology and how we come to a place of biblical theology. We talked about that. We went through and we studied it out theologically, truthfully. What you do with that is your, your, you, that's your choice. But don't get mad because you, God's word disagrees with you. And then leave the church because you don't like it. I, I'm not going to say everything just because you like it or not. So sooner or later, you're going to get offended. Praise God. Amen. I have to deal with it when I'm studying it out. And so we, we, we talked about abortion last week. As we go through Luke, we're going to talk about a lot of things. We're going we're to talk about homosexuality and what the Bible says about it. Whether you like it or not. We're going to talk about marriage. We're going to talk about divorce. We're going to talk about remarriage. Whether you like it or not. Whether I like it or not. But you have to decide, what are you going to do? Are you going to base your theology on what God's word has to say? Or are you going to base it on what you want because it fits your circumstance? You can walk in your blessings or God's blessings. That's your choice. But you have to make some decisions. What am I going to do with what God has to say? I've said this before. If you don't, listen, if you don't agree with what I said last week, you are more than willing to, to have your disagreement. But listen, don't just tell me what your opinion is. I don't care what your opinion is. Tell me what the Word of God has to say. Did I wrongly divide the Word of God or not? If I wrongly divide the Word, I expect you to let me know. I've heard a lot of opinions. I have not heard anybody say where I wrongly divided the word. You have to decide that. What am I going to do? So we're going to dive into this and look at what it is. Today, there's some things some of you may not like, but praise God for that. There should be. Amen? We're going to talk about another difficult topic that's difficult from a different perspective. But... God wants to confront us with his word. Are you willing to be confronted? Yes. Let's look at Luke chapter 1, verse 39. It says, we started with this last week. In those days, Mary arose, went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. We talked about this trip that this teenage girl was taking. A hundred miles or so was about how far she had to go through the dangerous desert by herself, pregnant. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. Now again, remember this. That Mary had just found out, I mean, the angel Gabriel had come to Zechariah, and they were pregnant with John some six months earlier, and so here now we have this little girl who's just freshly pregnant, nobody knows, Elizabeth doesn't know, and she comes together, and the baby leapt in the womb, the brephos is what that Greek word is. And you can, again, listen to the sermon from last week, it'll tell you a little more about that. And then going on, it says this, and Elizabeth... So this is all going on, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb, the brephos in my womb, 
leapt for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you are your word. And I thank you that as you are living, I thank you that so is your word. And I pray that your word, the living word, would be imparted into our hearts, that it would, Father, do what you intended, let it minister to us, let it open up our hearts, let us see exactly what you have in store for us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. Amen. So we have in this story here that where they come together and Elizabeth starts to prophesy. She starts to, she, she's sharing what the Lord is speaking to her heart. These moms I like to think of it like these moms, they come together, and I'm sure after a long period of time of being apart, just like many of you in church when we came back together, many of you, even though maybe you weren't supposed to, you found yourself hugging and embracing people. Well, they came together and they embraced, and it was like these two bellies come together and the wombs begin to respond. Listen, John, he's in there, and all of a sudden, John starts to respond. Elizabeth, she responded. God responded. She was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she begins to prophesy. And I want to talk about her prophecy today, what that prophecy is. But before we do that, I think we need to talk a little bit about prophecy, about what it is. Prophecy is something that we sometimes struggle with. It's something that sometimes we have a hard time with. What is prophecy? Prophecy, in the simplicity of a definition, prophecy is where God chooses someone and uses someone to speak through. God chooses to use someone. God chooses to pick somebody, and he then chooses to speak through them. And that person speaks as God has given them the ability to speak. Amen? Now, again, we sometimes struggle with this because prophecy has been so misused and abused and stolen. It's been robbed from the body of Christ. And so we, 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 we don't always uh, operate in the spirit of prophecy or receive prophecy for uh, many different reasons. Some of them are good reasons that you don't accept some of that. But prophecy in itself, prophecy, you know, the Old Testament, there was prophecy in the Old Testament. Do you know that it happened in the New Testament? Do you know that we as a church believe in prophecy? Yes, amen. That we believe in modern day that God wants to prophesy? Yes, he, does. he does. Absolutely we believe in that. Now prophecy, sometimes sometimes prophecy is the foretelling of the future. It's, it's like there's predictions of things that will come. God telling his people, God telling the world what's going to come. Things that have not happened that are going to come. Do you know it's easy for us right now to read the Bible and we look at all these things and this was said and this happened and then this was said and this happened. Do you know that when the Bible was actually written, 25% of it was all prophecy? 25% when it was written had not happened yet. Yet for us, we can sit back and we can read it and we look at it and we don't see it necessarily in the realm of prophecy, but when it was written, it was prophetic. It was something that God was doing to tell the world of what was to come, things that would happen. Sometimes it's that foretelling of what's to happen and sometimes it's that place where God gives a personal word of encouragement. 
Sometimes it's that place where God just wants you to be encouraged and he says something to somebody to go tell you so that it will bring encouragement to you. God wants you to know something. God wants you to have something. So he picks somebody and he sends a word into their heart and says, now go tell that person. I want to bless them. That's the kind of prophecy that we see here with Elizabeth. So that brings me to this question, the question that I was, had been rolling around with this week. How do we know when something is true prophecy and when something is false prophecy? How do we tell? How do we know? Again, there's, there's a lot of things that we can do, and, and we need to be able to judge between a false prophecy and a true prophecy. We need to be able to judge between a true prophet and a false prophet. Okay? A lot of people today don't like it because, honestly, most people would find that they're really not true prophets. They've just given themselves the name. So how do we do this? How do we rightly divide this? Again, I, there's a lot of different things you can find scripturally, and I told you at the very beginning, I'm not gonna, this is not an exhaustive study, but I do want to give you a few things where you can tell whether something is a true prophecy or not, whether somebody is a true prophet or not. And then you may not like all this. But the first way in which you can tell is true prophecy comes under biblical authority. True prophecy comes under biblical authority. And in the, in, the, in the place that we live, this is something that's difficult. Because true, our prophecy is not our highest authority. Amen? Amen. Prophecy is not our highest authority. Scripture is. Okay? The Word of God is our highest authority. Look at what what Paul, in in Acts chapter 17, and Paul prophesied so, I mean, much of the New Testament were prophecies that Paul was getting. Paul was getting these just amazing downloads from God, and he was just filling his heart, and then he was speaking these things out, and he was telling people about the prophecy, about the things that God had spoken into his life, the things that he had given to him in his heart, all these things. And so he's speaking these things, and he's in, in Acts chapter 17, he's in Berea, and he's speaking to the Bereans, and Paul says about the Bereans, he says, you Bereans, you guys here, you guys are of the most, and this is what he says, the most noble character. From Paul. Do you know why Paul said that about them? Because the Bereans refused to just believe everything that Paul had to say. It says it in the scripture. It tells us that the Bereans They took everything that Paul said and they compared it up against Scripture. And Paul said they were of the most noble character. They they studied the Scriptures. They knew what the Word of God had to say. Therefore, when you get to know and study what the Word of God has to say, when a false prophecy comes out, it's like, ah, wow, no. I'm not taking that. I'm going to let that die. True prophecy is something that comes under, is willing to be tested by, like Paul was, and it becomes accountable to Scripture. Right? I mean, it does. We are not going to take a prophetic word and change Scripture. We're going to take a prophetic word that wants to change Scripture, and we're going to cast it out as something that's demonic. God's word stands preeminent over everything and anything else. Amen? Come on, I need to know some of you are with me here. Amen. 
True, number two, true prophecy comes under authority. And this is a place where many people don't want to come under authority. Many people don't want to submit themselves to authority. Many people don't want to submit themselves to authority because they're afraid that the authority is going to say, that's not a word from God. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to go ahead and do it and spurt this out and just let it go. And it's not something that's tested by the church or by the authority. And, and again, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, that's what, he, that's what Paul is teaching. He's speaking to, in this place in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it was written to a bunch of people that were gathering together in worship services as the church. And this is who Paul writes this letter in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 to them. And he says, if anyone has a prophecy, it needs to be tested by the leadership. It needs to be tested to be confirmed that it is of God. Now, again, that's what Paul says. If you read through that, that's what he's talking about. But man, there's a lot of people today that think that whatever they have to say is prophetic because they put this word prophet in front of their name. I am the prophet and therefore everything I say is going to be a prophetic thing and we just need to receive that. And that's not true. Listen, if somebody wants to come in, they want to prophesy and not come and submit it to, the, to me or to one of the other leaders, then forget it. I'm not letting that go to I'm not letting that go out to you. Absolutely not. And I'll be will also be honest with you that at times because of the the fact that honestly there are a lot of people that they want to be prophetic but they really just want to hear themselves talk. There's a lot of people who think every thought that pops in their mind is prophetic. And it's not. You know, I mean, even in ourselves, weigh it out. Just because it pops into your mind doesn't mean it's not dangerous. But people will say things and you're like, ah, that's just not right. And the prophet will, the, the, the self-proclaimed prophet says, well, see, nobody likes a prophet. It needs to be tested. This, honestly, this is why we don't do open mics. Who has a word from the Lord? Come stand up. You know what? Pretty soon, we, pretty soon the devil's leading the church because the angel of light is just speaking into people's hearts and into people's lives. And then from their mouth, we're getting all these things that are close to Scripture, but they're not scriptural. And so probably in an overprotective way, and because of so much of that, we've gone a little bit over the other side where we have, have really taken away a tremendous gift of prophecy in the church. It is, I mean, the, God, the Bible's filled with all sorts of places that talks about how God has poured out the prophetic, how it's one of the callings in the church. But it needs to be tested. And number three, Again, this is one that some of you may not like. Is it true? Do you know that a real prophecy, a true prophecy, is true? That's one of Pastor Mark's deep-isms right there. <laughs> prophecy or prophet, it will be 100% true. That, that's what it tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 18. If you look at that and you look at verses 21 and 22, what it says in there is it says, this is how you know whether it's a true or false prophet. A true prophet, everything they say comes to pass. A false prophet, it doesn't. 
And church, what that means then, and you know what else it says about that? It says that if somebody is prophesying or they're a false prophet and they're prophesying and what they say doesn't come to pass, the Bible says, that guy, you don't, it says you don't need to fear him. <laughs> Got to find that scripture. It says, don't fear them. Why, you know, but what it doesn't say, if that person's a true prophet, that he does not tell us not to fear them. <laughs> because if you, if you don't respect that, you, you may just find a bear come out and eat you. Because <laughs> that's what happened in Scripture. <laughs> a false prophet that is true 80 or 90% of the time is still a false prophet. And you know, I'm sorry, but we have a lot of prophetic ministries and prophetic people and people that are out there, TV, you know, listen, is just because somebody's on TV and they call themselves a prophet, does that mean they're a prophet? Just because somebody's on TV, does that mean they're not a prophet? Not at all. But we have a lot of self-proclaimed or proclaimed prophets and people that have been called prophets that are out there and that are prophesying. You know, the guy that prophesied, the godly man of God who prophesied the world would end in 2012? False prophet. But church, the people that have been on TV prophesying about things that were gonna happen during this COVID thing, and now that... the time for that thing to pass has gone past and it didn't happen? Church, false prophet. Uh, Listen, I understand that we don't all like that because you know what? Some of those people I really like. I think we probably all have liked a false prophet or two. But that doesn't mean we don't believe in prophecy. We do believe in prophecy, absolutely believe in prophecy, absolutely believe that God is still speaking and doing things. We as a church, we believe in prophecy, true prophecy. So, you know, some of the most significant turning points in my life have come through prophetic words. Some of the times were in our ministry, the ministry that God had for us were absolutely moved and and changed and transformed by a word that God spoke to us, something that God said to us through somebody, through a prophetic utterance, whether it was just into myself or something that God spoke to us. You know, I was 28 years old when I got saved, and it was right after that that I know God spoke to me. God spoke to my heart. It was a prophetic utterance that he gave to me that called me to be a pastor. I knew at that point, that, but I, you know what, again, I was like, I could never, how can I, you know, how could I ever be a pastor? And I, again, just hid that in my heart. I didn't know what to do with it. I was 28 years old. I, I shared with my mom and dad some of that, and my mom and dad were like, oh, they didn't like it. They didn't like it because they were Catholic. And, and I didn't want to be Catholic. My mom was like, my mom, my mom actually said this. My mom said, oh, 
you know, I just, I should have prayed differently. I prayed that God would call you into ministry. I should have been praying that God called you to be a priest. <laughs> but at that point, it's like, no, nah, there was things that I didn't, I, even at that point, didn't agree with. But at that point, I had met Joni, and I was in love. It's like, I'm not being no priest. <laughs> I'm getting married. We're having kids. But I want to be a minister. I wanted to do what God had called me to do. And so I wanted to, pr- to serve God. But, you know, I, I, I'm taking all these things and I'm hiding them in my heart, all these things. But it seemed like everywhere we went, every place we went, it was like God was just like calling us out in these places. It was like God was just speaking to me. I know sometimes it would, ha- sometimes it would happen as we were sitting in a service, something like this, that all of a sudden, I mean, the pastor would say something and it was like, oh. Did you call him? Did you tell him what was going on? Because it was like he spoke so specifically to our circumstance or what I'd been doing or what I wasn't doing that it was like somebody had to know. Somebody told. There was other times when we were sitting in a service and people, somebody would just call us out or we'd go someplace, we'd go to a conference and we'd be sitting back there and, and the guy would just like call us out. It was people that we knew, people that we didn't know. It was like in the hallway after a conference, somebody would come up, we don't even know. You know, God just really spoke to me about you. And I'll tell you, with all of those things, we never, we never let those things be what guides us. We never changed our direction because of those things. It was one of those places where God, if God's big enough to speak to me, God's big enough to make it come to pass on his own doing. But we would take these things and we would hold on to them. I mean, God was bringing us these, these things in our life and things that, that would come to pass and, and these prophecies, they were happening. It was like, again, Joni got, we, we got called out in a crowd one night. This guy just, in the, we're sitting in the middle. Hey, you two, stand up. You're going to be surrounded with children. Well, he had no idea that we were struggling and believing for more children. Which, again, God brought that to pass. He brought more children into our lives. And not only that, he called us into children's ministry and surrounded us with hundreds of children. <laughs> but we were getting these words from God. And, and again, they were coming to pass. Not by my hand. I wasn't doing it. Well, one day we were in service, and then we had this lady in our church, Annie Jaswell. I don't know if some of you may remember Annie that were with us back then. Annie Jaswell was this big German lady. She had gray hair, and, and her husband, Joe, had passed away, and so we had as a youth group, we were, you know, we were, we'd go over and help her do things and stuff like that. And so I'd gotten to know her. Annie was like this prophetic lady that was kind of scary. Because like every time I would go over to Annie, it would be like, oh God, forgive me for everything I've ever done in my life, everything I've ever said, because she's going to know it. You know, one of those kind of ladies that like she's going to look in your eyes and know exactly what you've been doing. And she calls me over to her, and, and every time I'd go over to Annie after church, because she'd be sitting back there, and she always sat in the same spot, and, and she'd be, I'd see her over there, you know, she, I couldn't miss her, she'd be going, you know, like that. And so, I, uh, me, and she'd like, you know, just, I mean, making a scene. And, and you'd go over, and she'd do this every time. She would grab me by the cheeks. She'd just grab me by the cheeks, and she would just look into my eyes. Okay, I'm scared. 
And, and, and she said to me one day, she said, God wants me to tell you something. God, give me a word for you. And, and God, God told, wants you to know that he's the one that called you, and he's the one who's going to confirm you. Now, I know very well, every one of you could receive that word. But to me, at that moment, where I was in life, where I was, that was like, how did she know? <laughs> I mean, this, uh, yeah, yes, it was a general thing, but it was like so specific to what I was struggling with, what I was going through. It was like, it was God just spoke to me. And then a couple of weeks, I don't know if it was the next weekend or the weekend after that, we had a guest speaker that came. And, and the guy was there, and Joni and I, were, we, we, weren't, we weren't front row Christians at that point. We'd only moved about halfway up. <laughs> just teasing. We were, we were just sitting back here, and, and we were there, and, and the ministry and the guy's preaching, and praise and worship was over, and the guy's preaching, and, he, and he's walking around, and he's talking, and, and, he, and he points, and he says, hey, you right there, will you stand up? <laughs> and and I, I stand up, and he's like, God has a word for you. He wants you to know. And he says, God has his hand on your life, and he is going to bring to pass every promise that he has deposited into that still, small place of your heart. Amen. And again, it was like, how did he know? Well, every one of you could receive that. Every one of you have things in the small, still place of your heart. But to me, in that moment, this was like, God just, I knew God just spoke to me. This was just a prophetic word. And so I was serving in kids' ministry at that point. My brother and I, we, were, we, we owned a, a manufacturing company, and so I was self-employed, and we were working, and we were working hard, and everything at that point was going pretty good. And um, uh, I was holding on to these prophecies because not only was I working there at the church, but I was working at, at, in kids' ministry, and we were involved in that. It was like God was just really calling us to this place of, of children's ministry, and I was like giving my whole heart, and so it was really a, this balance. Well, I, again, in all of that, the, the pastor, he had no idea. I had not, listen, I was not bold enough to tell him all these things that were going on in my heart. I didn't. I, I wasn't about to go to him and say, oh, God called me to be a pastor here. It was like, no. First off, I just like, I felt like that was just way above my pay grade kind of thing. And I hadn't said anything to him. I hadn't talked to him about any of that kind of stuff. He had no idea what was really happening in there. All he knew was that we were working and, and he knew that I had a business. And so we were doing this business. I think he thought that that was really the main thrust of our lives to build a business, which of course you would think. I'd, and we were serving in kids ministry because that's where they needed somebody. Well, we're in a meeting one night, and the different, different places, different people that are running some of the different, we're all in this meeting, and, and we're sitting there, and the pastor said this. He, he, he wasn't trying to be mean-spirited. He, he, he had no idea all this was going on in me. And the pastor, in the midst of that meeting, we're talking and, and going around, and he says this. He says, uh, you know, at Lakeview, children's ministry will never be anything more than a tent ministry. Well, I was working in children's ministry. 
And I, I mean, every wind in my sail had gotten totally depleted. I, I, I was like, I, don't, I, I mean, the whole rest of the meeting was like, you know, wah, 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 wah. I didn't, I didn't care. I was like, this was like a blow to my heart. I, I was, I, I mean, I don't know. I can't remember ever being more deflated. And God spoke to me. Not, I didn't hear a voice. Again, I, I say that and we sometimes overuse that. But you know what? God spoke to me. It was not a voice, it was, but it was a voice. I didn't hear something, but I heard something. And God spoke to my heart, and he reminded me of these prophecies that I had just received weeks before. And God said this, Mark, who will you believe? Well, he's the one who does the hiring, and he's the one who does the firing, and he's the boss, and so... Okay, God. And so I fought in what would be one of my tremendous, most difficult fights of faith to continue doing what we were doing and to continue building his children's ministry, the children's ministry for the guy who said the children's ministry will never be more than a tent ministry. Well, you know, during that time, God was making me more and more and more dissatisfied. I hated my job, but I went there every day because my heart was always in ministry. I always wanted to be there. I always wanted to be doing things to build the ministry. I always wanted to be doing things to build the children, build the children's ministry. Well, six months later, it was six months that I went through this, and six months later, he calls me into his office. I had no idea. He calls me and says, Mark, I've been talking with the board, and I've made a decision that we want to offer you a job as children's pastor here at Lakeview. Came with a 60% pay decrease. <laughs> Praise God for those tests. You know, ministry is not about the money. But you know what? Prophecy is what got me through that. Prophecy is a beautiful thing. Absolutely wonderful. The problem is, is that it's often been mis- misused and abused. Church, we have people in the church here. God said it. We have people in the church that he's called to be prophets. But many of you are scared of that calling because the prophets or prophecy and that ministry of the prophet has become so diluted and it's become so honestly despised not because of the difficult words that come, but because of the false words that have been given. Amen? Amen. So it's a beautiful thing. It's just that we, we'll call it what the Bible says. There's just a lot of liars out there giving false prophecies. And it stopped the people that really truly are walking in those gifts. We need to reach out. You know, there's some of you that need to hear the same kind of words that somebody stepped out in faith and gave me because you're gonna go through some rocky times and you need to know that God has spoken over you and he has blessed you and he's called you. You need to know that. Prophecy is a beautiful thing. We believe in it. We believe in it as a church. We believe in true prophecy. Amen? Amen. 
So let me just quickly go through this as Elizabeth's prophecy. Let's take a look at what it is that Elizabeth is prophesying over Mary. In verse 41, and Elizabeth was filled with, filled with, that's a lot of, filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, he's filling her up and he's taking this woman. He is answering her deepest desires, bringing them about, birthing. Look at this, you know, he's bringing new life to her. And in that place, she says, she exclaims with a loud cry. Again, see this. She's prophesying. And you got to see Elizabeth. See this. She's six months pregnant. Mary, teenage girl, barely pregnant, just conceived of the Holy Spirit, taken this track and gone. This peasant girl, illiterate girl. She's just conceived. And their two wombs come together. And they touch in a hug, and Elizabeth puts her hand on Mary, and she's prophesied. She says, blessed are you among women, and blessed the fruit of your womb. Listen, what are children? They are a blessing. No matter how much you may feel like they're a curse at certain times, they are a blessing. He says, Mary, you are blessed of God. You got this baby in you. And in our world today, we oftentimes see babies as a curse. Listen, look at, the, look at the numbers of abortions as we talked about last week. Look at the numbers of abortions that are being performed each year. You telling me that those babies were blessings to that mom? In our world, mom, I mean, the children have become this thought of, well, they're a curse. No, cursed childbirth was the curse. Children are the blessing. In our world, though, I mean, what do the kids do? Well, they, they cause me to gain weight. They cause me to have stretch marks. They cause me to, I mean, look, think of all the teething and the pooping and the diapers and the changing and the burping and the spitting up and all of the stuff that goes with it. And they're so expensive. They're so inconvenient. They are. They're a blessing. Amen. You know what? They are a pooping, farting, eating, yelling, screaming, teething, expensive blessing. I have three kids. I have three blessings. We, Joni and I, we lost one in adoption. I've told you the story before. It still stings. It still hurts because that was our blessing. But I know how much God loves me. You know how I gauge how much God loves me? I look at this, just a sign for me. I know because of the children he gave me. I know how much he loves me. My daughter Lauren, back in the back, back there, trying to hide. <laughs> she's 30 years old, she's a blessing. She's my blessing. And every year I learn more and more about the kind of blessing that she is. My son Joshua, he's a blessing. Amen. My daughter Carly, she is a blessing. They are a blessing from God. They are a gift that was given to me. I'm going to embarrass him a little bit, but. Joshua, he's, now he's 18, he graduated, really proud of him. He started working, and, and he's working, sometimes he works out of town. And so he, last week, he was down in St. George working. And on Wednesday night, he called me. And, um, and so we're talking on the phone a little bit. And one of the things that I always do when I end a call with him 
is no matter where he is, sometimes I'm hoping he's in a car with a bunch of his friends. Because <laughs> I always say, Joshua, I love you. <laughs> and he always says, and Wednesday night he said it again to me. He said, I love you too, Dad. I love you too, Dad. Now, he has no idea. But there is nothing in this world that this dad loves to hear and is blessed with beyond that. Nothing. I love you too, Dad. Why? Because it comes from my blessing. Children are not a curse. They are a blessing. In fact, our richest blessing. Amen? Amen. Listen, verse 43, it says, And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord? She says, Why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? In that culture, a younger person was supposed to bless the older person or honor the older person, not the older person honor the younger. And he says here, And Mary, you're the, the mother of my Lord. The first person in the Bible to call Jesus Christ Lord is Elizabeth. Where was he? How big was he? Maybe the size of a peanut. Jesus was in the womb, church. She was newly, she was just newly conceived. Listen, this is not tissue. It's the Lord. It's God right here. This is, in Mary's womb is a baby. Is, she's worshiping Jesus. Where was Jesus? He was newly conceived in the womb. And so what we've got is we've got this eternal son of God coming into human history through the womb of this poor, insignificant, unmarried, virgin, rural, illiterate little girl. And he comes into this world so that he might identify with us sinners, that he might identify by living a lifestyle that was humble and simple, simple tested and tempted, yet never sins, and so that he could come and be our substitute, to die on the cross so that we might be reconciled to God, that we might have our sins taken away by the blood that was shed, and then he would send his Holy Spirit to us. Why? So that we could have the brand new life birthed in us. The same way that Mary enjoyed the presence of God is the same way he wants you and I to enjoy the presence of God birthed in us through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Elizabeth says, I can't believe I'm in the presence of the mother of my Lord. She hasn't even seen him. He hasn't even walked on the earth. He hasn't even raised the dead. He hasn't even healed the sick. He hasn't even fed the hungry. He hasn't even, he hasn't brought forgiveness. He hasn't been crucified. He hasn't been resurrected. Yet here she is worshiping him, claiming him to be God. Church, this is significant. Come on, we need to love that part. And then she says this in verse 44. For behold, when the sound of your greetings came to my ears, the what? The brephos. The brephos in my womb leapt for joy. How did that happen? 
the angel, told, the angel Gabriel told Zechariah in the Holy of Holies how that was gonna happen. He says that this baby, John, in your, is gonna be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he's in his mother's womb. And so these two women come together. You got this older woman and the younger woman. You got the old covenant and the new covenant. You got the promise. You got the fulfillment. You got the prophet. You got the Lord. And they come together and their bellies touch. And bam, worship starts to happen. John begins to worship. He begins to proclaim and worship Jesus Christ. John, think about it. He's in the womb. He's only six months in the womb. He's still got another three months or so to go. He's already been predestined by God. He's saved. He's elected. He's chosen. He's named. He's filled with the Holy Spirit. And he starts off six months in the womb. He begins his ministry. Fetal worship pastor. He begins to worship. He begins to give praise unto God. Listen, I cannot think of or find a stronger argument for personhood in the womb than that. Come on, he's starting his ministry while he's six months in. Pastor John, the worship leader. I don't know what he was doing in there. I don't know what kind of, you know, Christian two-step he was doing. I don't know what kind of, whether he was doing the touchdown or the carry the TV. The fish was that big. (laughs) You know what? He was worshiping. And honestly, I believe that what this is, why it's in Scripture, is God is showing you and I what the proper response to Jesus should be. He is Lord, and I worship him by the power of the Holy Spirit in me. That should be our response. And he's showing us in here what this pattern should be. And Elizabeth's prophecy, and she says this, and blessed, verse 45, we'll finish up with this last verse here. And blessed is she who believed. Blessed is she who believed. She's talking about faith here. Blessed is she who believed, what? That there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. This is a process that God's giving to us, and I see this as we're going through this. Listen, God speaks, In here, God speaks, Mary believes, and God blesses. And then Mary sings. We'll go into this in the next start of scripture, but Mary starts to sing. This is this pattern of worship that's been committed to you and to me. And look at this into this pattern. And sometimes we move away from this because we don't really believe, oh, I wish God still spoke. God speaks. Listen, Jesus is God. Come on, anyone a better amen on that one? Jesus is God. He is God, and he still speaks today. He comes to us, and he came on a rescue mission. He came from heaven to earth to rescue us, to pay the penalty for the sins of this world. Jesus came into this world. God came into this world to make friends out of enemies. He came into this world to take murderers and make them worshipers. He came into this world to take idolaters and make them into sons and daughters of the Most High God. Jesus Christ comes into this world and he continues to be in this world speaking to us by no less authority than God as God, speaking to you and to me. God still speaks. He speaks through his word. He is his word. That's what the Bible tells us, and if that's not true, then none of it's believable. He still speaks to you and I, and he says, Father, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is the truth. 
So he speaks. Do you hear him? Do you hear him? Come on, I mean, this is a, a big question. He speaks. Do you hear him? Or are you just hearing the words of Mark? He's speaking to you. Are you listening? He speaks through scripture. He speaks through your conscience. He speaks through that small, still voice. He speaks through the Holy Spirit. He speaks prophetically through people that you can trust around you. He speaks to you still. The question is, do you hear him? Because when you hear him, you will respond to him. What's the proper response for somebody who hears the word of God? The proper response is this. Believe. Just believe. You need to believe. Believe to the place where it makes it so that you have to respond. Do I really believe God's word to the point where it changes my behavior? Do when I really believe God's word, it begins to alter how I think. It begins to alter what I do because I'm responding to God's word. He spoke. He said it. I believe him. And therefore, in my response to him, I'm going to trust him. I'm going to love him. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to obey him. I'm going to enjoy him. I'm going to serve him. I'm going to emulate him. I want to be like Jesus. So God speaks. When you hear God speak, you will believe. And when you begin to believe, you will begin to respond. And then you know what happens? God blesses. Uh, this whole word of faith thing has kind of robbed this whole thing from us. You know what? God still blesses his people when they obey. God still blesses us when we do as he's called us to do. God has blessings that he wants to pour out. God has blessings that he wants to commit into your life. God wants to bless you, and he wants to bless your obedience. He wants to bless those times when you trust him and stand in faith, those places that you believe. God still blesses his people. Amen. And you are blessed. Listen, if you, if you heard God's word and you believed him, then he has blessed you. He has blessed you with the forgiveness of your sins. He has blessed you by removing the old man, the old nature. He has blessed you by introducing you to the new man, introducing you to the new nature. He has blessed you by pouring his spirit out for you. He has blessed you by, by, by offering unto you a fresh new baptism of the spirit of the living God in you. He has offered you, you the blessing of being in the body of Christ and being able to enjoy fellowship one with another. He has blessed you with the enjoyment one with another. He has blessed you with eternal life. You are blessed. But listen, you had to hear, you had to believe, responding unto him, and those are the blessings that God brings. In church, and this is just truth, the pattern here in the scripture is when we begin to experience the blessings of God, we begin to sing. Come on, the Holy Spirit has a song in your heart. And you can fight and wrestle and you can have all, but listen, you're gonna end up with a limp and singing anyway. Well, we're going to deal with this. When the, listen, when, when we're under the power of the Holy Spirit and worship starts to break out, you're not going to be able to stop yourself. Amen. And, and let me say this lovingly. 
If you can stand through a worship service and just... You need to question the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life because the Holy Spirit, when worship breaks out, you'll never find the Holy Spirit going, I'm just too tired. You won't. Holy Spirit is going to, he's going to just continue. I mean, pretty soon you're going to find yourself just. (laughs) I know. It's dangerous. You're going to find yourself wanting to go. Because the Holy Spirit, listen, how you worship is up to you. The Holy Spirit is going to make you want to sing because he wants to sing prophetically through you. He, if, it, if we're filled with the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God wants to use you to worship God. He wants to use you to move through. That's why he has given us his word. That's why he's called us to believe. That's why he has given us the blessings he's given us so that when worship breaks, that would be our cry. Listen, you know what Mary does? Mary gets this prophetic word, and Mary, while the two of them are sitting there, can you imagine this thing going on? All of a sudden, Mary starts to sing. Amen. Come on, your friends would call you a fruitcake. <laughs> but she starts to sing. She just starts to bust out in song. Let me have the worship team come on back up because we're going to bust out in song. Amen? <laughs> We're going to deal with this in the coming weeks because the next set of scriptures is Mary's song. Mary, just in the midst of all this, Mary can't help it. Mary begins to sing. And she says, and Mary, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit. She's talking about deep down inside her gut, something that's so deep down inside that she can't even tell you where it's coming from. It's just so far down in here. She, the depth of who she, listen, is there a praise in your depth? Is there something in your spirit that just says, I got to work? Worship him. I got to magnify the Lord. Listen, that's what God wants to do. He he says, he rejoices. Listen, you know what? God wants to make you happy. Not happy with all the stuff. God wants to fill you with a joy that's so deep that you find a strength even in the midst of your chaos. Because think about Mary's life. Mary's life right here was a mess. Poor, no money betrothed, not sure if that's all going to happen now or not, pregnant, nobody wants to believe her, 100-mile walk by her. Can you imagine the temptation of a pity party on a walk like that? But here she is. Her life's a mess. And you know what she found? She found in God. She found in Christ. She found in the life that was in her. She found a depth that would make her rejoice in the midst of her circumstances. Do you have something in the depth of your soul that wants to rejoice even though your circumstances may look ugly? Come on, if not, you know what? Seek him on that. She rejoices. She rejoices in what? In God my Savior. She's talking about God my Savior, the God who's in her. She's singing about this. God my Savior, for he has looked on this humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, for all generations, they will call me blessed. And we do. They do. They will. Mary will continue to be called blessed. She won't be worshipped, but she will be blessed. 
For he is mighty and has done great things for me. She prophesied that. And listen, that's the same thing that God wants to do in you. He wants to do great things in you. God wants to do greater things than you've even begun to dream or imagine. Yet you stop believing that and start believing your own future. What you can make rather than what God can produce. You trust in you. We trust in ourselves. It's human nature. But God says, don't walk by your human nature. Walk by your spiritual nature, the one that's been born again. He's mighty and able to do great things. Why? Because he is holy. Holy is his name. And then he says this, and he says, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. The only way that happens, church, And again, I love you, but the only way that happens is if we stop killing our kids through abortion. God wants them to know that they are the generation that's to be blessed, the generation to come. And then he goes on. But the truth is is that Mary sings. Maybe one hand on her womb, the other hand up high, just worshiping God, worshiping the Lord the same way that probably John in the womb is worshiping. You know, obviously he's in there. There's a dance going on. There's things that are happening in there. Listen, we we need to sing. Listen, church, the pattern is here. Hear, believe. You are blessed, so sing. It's simple. If it's that simple, though, why is it so hard? You know what? The truth is that you need to sing. Stop arguing with yourself. Stop arguing with the Holy Spirit and just sing. Raise your voice and give thanks unto God. Praise Him for who He is. Praise Him for what He's done. Praise Him. Listen. Come on, let's just stand right now. Everybody stand to your feet. We're going to sing. We're going to lift up a holy voice. You need to sing. Stop arguing. Just stand up. Let the Holy Spirit in you. Let a word of praise and honor and worship and song come forth from the very depth. It's time, church, that we begin to rejoice for the prophetic that God has poured out, for the blessing that he has, because our God has the same life he wants to put in you that Mary was carrying that 2,000 years ago. He wants to see from the midst of that life praise come forth. Come on, do you have something to praise him about? Come on, do you have something to praise him about? Come on, let's sing. Lord bless you. Oh, every voice, come on.
and that that became something prophetic that you were singing over yourself, over your family, over your, your marriage, over your children, over the future generations that are to come. Because that is what God longs for us to do. Amen? Listen, we're going to go in praise. We're going to go out rejoicing. We're going to go be the church. Amen? God bless you. We love you. Go be the church. Come on, let's sing this as we go. Here I am. I'm coming.